Welcome to Your Next Mission podcast with the 12th Sergeant Major of the Army and co-founder of the American Freedom Foundation, Jack L. Tilley. Proudly presented by Cavalry Agency, Navy Federal Credit Union, Purdue University Global, and Veterans United Home Loans. Good day out there, veterans and families, and welcome to season two of Your Next Mission, a program initiative of the American Freedom Foundation. I'm Jack L. Tilly, 12th Sergeant Major of the Army, your host. I always love saying that. And we have a, a great show for you today. Really, we have a, a wonderful show for you today. But before we get started, if you're watching this on YouTube, uh, please like us and click on the subscribe button below. We're going to focus on leadership of helping our young people. And now, before we get started, I want to thank our uh, presenting sponsors, Calvary Agency, Navy Federal Credit Union, Purdue University Global, and Veterans United Home Loans for making your next mission happen. They love our veterans and families, and we love them too. As I mentioned, today's theme is about leadership and helping today's young people, and I'm so excited to introduce Mr. Ed Heiner, uh, Navy SEAL, Lieutenant Commander, retired, Dying. author, keynote speaker, and owner of the Heiner Group. Uh, welcome, sir. Glad to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. I, you know, before we get started, uh, I, I know the audience is really excited about hearing all the things that you're doing, but can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Well, let's see. I spent 20 years in the SEAL teams, as as you said. Mm -hmm. I'm retired. Uh, Mustang, by the way. I want to say to everybody out there, I'm a Mustang. <laughs> means I was prior enlisted, so, you know. Um, yeah, I was a baseball player before I joined, and that didn't work out for me. I luckily found a SEAL. Uh, he told me what he did. Boom, overnight, that's what I wanted to do. Tell us tell us a little about the SEAL. You, you, you said you was moving some furniture or doing something yeah, like that before we got yeah. on there. I was in Virginia Beach, me and a friend of mine, one of my teammates and roommates were down mm -hmm. there with his father on the, on the ground. It was Saturday morning. We were, you know, been out all night. And um, uh, drink? No, never mind. No, anything <laughs> to drink. But it was, it, his, his dad ran the storage unit and he was retired and had a little house on the storage unit. And uh, we were on the floor sleeping and he wakes us up. His dad had a huge heart and said, like, uh, there was a lady that, had three little kids. Her husband's on some ship in the in, out somewhere. I forget mm -hmm. what she said. And she had been evicted, and she needed to get out. So mm -hmm. my friend Tom and I got boxes, went to her house, got a truck, went to her house, started packing up her house. First moved back to the storage unit. The guy that was there uh, was right beside me. He was a big kind of buffed up guy, and I started talking to him. He's like, I'm in the Navy, and uh, I'm on leave, so I'll help you guys out. He ended up being a SEAL. So after we moved this lady's furniture for about 24 hours, I ended up hitchhiking back to Richmond. That's how I got around back then. Yeah. Hitchhiked back to Richmond and uh, went to recruiter's office. You know, it's funny <laughs> how things like that happen. You know, I, I have a little different story, but, uh, you know, life sort of pushes you in different directions. You know, the Heiner Group focuses a lot of different things, but uh, things that you stood out and for me, the, the, the work you're doing with the young youth, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, a partner of mine, uh, Charles Parisi, and I, who met um, about five years ago, we started an organization also called the, a program called Sealpreneurship. Yeah. Seal with entrepreneur, it's more of intrapreneur, yeah. how to own thyself, right? And we call it the PhD in me. And we work with, we started working with foster youth, juveniles, hard hit parts of our community, kids of color, and we start teaching them mindset. And from the very ground up, we start with 23 evolutions. And uh, in the Navy, in the SEAL teams, I don't know about the Army, but mm -hmm. everything we do, shoot, dive, whatever it is, it's called an evolution. Yeah. Because you're always evolving. It's kind of that growth thought, thought mindset. Mm -hmm. So we have 23 evolutions. We start off with uh, 
accountability and kind of move forward into character. And we end up and all the students actually write their own ethos. It's pretty cool that they kind of, they start, this light goes off in their head and they start to transition and go, hmm, like, yeah, you can own your own life. No one owns it for you. No one in some, with some certificate on a wall or a white coat owns anything, but you own it. Yeah. yeah. You know, getting, I, a lot of people talk about helping youth. Uh, why'd you get into helping youth? I got to ask that question. I, I, no. mean, I know why, because you told me already, but maybe you want to tell the audience why you started that. Well, I, it's, Building my resume for that. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm doing. I, I did a good job. Of God knows I need it. But no, you know, it's, it, it is kind of that building my resume for heaven thing. I, I promised myself, and I think everybody promised himself something in combat. Yeah. But to me, you know, all the stuff I'd done in, in Iraq, Afghanistan, all over, yeah, you know, I could live with that. But a lot of the stuff you saw, you saw kids suffer and uh, little yeah. kids, their, their families broken apart, just just trauma. And I said, you know, when I get out of here, I'm going to that's one of the things I'm going to do with my life mm -hmm. and helping veterans with the other. And I made a promise. And instead of waiting till I got filthy rich or, you know, a lot of people wait until they're it's too late. You're filthy rich now. Yeah, I'm just filthy <laughs> rich, you know. <laughs> um, but I just said, you know, I just met with my uh, partner, Charles, and uh, we just said he, he was doing that kind of work at the time. I was, I'm all in. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you know, the key to success is helping young kids and developing kids for the future. It is. And that's what we need to do. You know, for me, understanding leadership was the key to success, especially being, a, you know, as a sergeant major of the Army. And you seem to have some of the some of that same kind of sense. Can you talk about the, the fast, uh, the first fast and fearless, I think the name of the book is. Can you tell the audience about that? Yeah. Well, you know, the title I didn't name. The publisher named it. It was going to be From the Battlefield to the Boardroom. Oh, is that right? They did They did a lot of surveys, and they said this title, the first Fast and Fearless, came out. But really, it came off of what we I would call, the, the, you know it as well, off the fight triangle: surprise, speed, and violence of action. Yeah. First Fast Fearless, kind of the same concept. Yeah. And uh, what I wanted to do with that book, and it did do very well, actually, bestseller, um, is is really just kind of bring those principles out. I was going to say a lot of leadership principles in the book. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's all about leadership, and it talks about just basically three things: the brand. Uh, the brotherhood and then the battle rhythm, like mm -hmm. how to how to build your own brand. That's through ethos, character building. And, you know, I think people intuitively sort of know that character is valuable, you know, how you act and how you do in the world. But leadership, it's even more critical. You know, as well as I do, you turn that stress dial up and people are counting on you for their life. They want to know who you are and that you have. And I call it the mom model in you. You mission first, others second, me last mission, mm -hmm. others me. So. Mm -hmm. That's what our leadership starts with. And then, you know, the brotherhood, which we could call sisterhood. I, you know, just there's no name for that except for family and uh, how to kind of how to build that teamwork. And then at the end, how to set the right conditions so the people around you can thrive, you know, and you realize most leaders realize, especially the higher they go, right? Mm -hmm. The less you actually know about what's going on and the more you will. And it's, you <laughs> yeah. know, because things happen and you, you have to give them the right tools and the right intent, leader's intent or commander's mm -hmm. intent in the military, mm -hmm. we call it, I call it leader's intent. Let them understand what success looks like down the road. This is, when you do it well, this is where you're going to end. So, and let them get after it. And do it. You know, one of the biggest things, though, is, is for your unit trusting you. And, trust. And, 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 uh, and figuring out how to get all that trust and accomplishing the mission and all of that. Really leading by example. Is those, is those good things for you? Are those uh, things you really focus on? Yeah, I was going to say, we, 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 we have an expression, we didn't coin it, but you can only lead as fast as you can trust. And that means people trusting you. You're trusting down, of course, but obviously people trusting you as a leader. Um, and that you, if you can't have trust, especially in my old profession, you know, with the, in the spec ops world, where they put a lot of trust in young people, 
and individuals. So if we can't trust you, we can't use you. And I think every point of, every company organization about leadership is same. Yeah. Same principles, just a different environment. Yeah. If, if When you talk about leadership and development and stuff, then what's the one thing that you think really is a priority in leadership? I, I guess it's probably in your in your book, too. I'm sure it, it is. is. Yeah. But, well, it's probably not one thing anyway. It's character, I think. You have to base it on a solid foundation of your character, and, and you actually have to define that with yourself. Um, we did as a, as a SEAL team, we actually came up with our own ethos. This is what it means to be a SEAL, and we didn't all agree. You know, and it was a lot of fighting going on, but it's to define who you are as a person, stick to those principles, and, you know, show the world those principles. Yeah. And it has to start there. Yeah. You know, and self-serving and all those things we see in the world, it just doesn't have a place in the military. It doesn't have a place in any organization that really wants to be the best. Yeah. Being a lieutenant commander, you, you had a senior chief. You talked about it a few minutes ago, right? Oh, yeah. how, how important is that relationship between the... <laughs> I know, I, oh, yeah. I, know, I know that's important. But, but it is, I, I know you're going to... I think I know what you're going to say, but, but how important is that relationship? I know in the Army, uh, commanders and, and senior NCOs, I mean, you would never be able to accomplish a mission with that. Is that... Important oh, to you? It's like a marriage, I would say, <laughs> in, in, in a strange way, because the senior chief, as you know this, the senior yeah. enlisted can do things and does things that, yeah. as an officer, you can't. Absolutely. And it, that marriage of the, of, of the two is critical. I know there are many times that weird things happened, yeah. and uh, we would get called into the commanding officer's office. I would. I'm like, one second. I'd go get my senior chief. <laughs> like, yeah. hey, senior, come on in here. Because <laughs> he can say, you know, express himself in different ways. But that it's that sounding board. You know, we'd be in meetings where I thought everything was going great, you know, in Iraq or wherever we're at. And after the meeting, because mostly the senior chief would just listen and watch the room. He'd go, no, they ain't buying it. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> like, oh, he goes, no, no, they're not getting it. I'm like, really? Yeah. So I wasn't, so my intent wasn't clear to them yeah. or somehow I didn't engage them enough to, so I'm like, okay, let me redo that. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's 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 a, uh, important. It's hard to explain to people how important it is. Well, it's, it's, it's critical. Uh, yeah, it, it is critical. It's really hard to explain to people that, that haven't served in the military. Yeah. Uh, you know, I had at every level <clears throat> that I worked at, I used to tell a commander, says, I'm going to be your honest broker. Yep. And I'm going to tell you exactly the truth. And, and you may not like the truth, but I, I'm obligated to give you that information. I guess it's the same way with oh, you. 100%. Yeah. That, any officer that goes anywhere, really, we, we would say in the SEAL team, without his, his senior enlisted, is a, you know, doomed to fail, right? Yeah. You know it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, and, it's, and it's important that you get you and your, you and your senior enlisted really understand each other very well. Yeah. Did you ever, ever again, this wasn't something I was going to ask you, but you made me think about this now. Did you ever have one you just didn't get along with or anything? No. Like it? Mm -hmm. it was always pretty, because they're all really professional non-commissioned yep. officers that do just a tremendous job. You know, 86% of the forces enlisted. A lot of people just yep. don't know that. Uh, so that's that's unbelievable. Hmm. What do you think? Most people can think of officers when they think of military, which is not the military. The backbone, the spine, the frame of everything in the military is uh, senior enlisted. enlisted. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, was you, you was never enlisted, was you? Enlisted money. Yes, I was. Well, you was? Five years. Mustang. Oh, is that right? Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so Make sure I drop that every time I go on the run. <laughs> <laughs> so what made you go to the other side? Yeah, I, that's a good money. question. That's a good question. Yeah. No, you know, it was. I'd set a goal when I was coming out of college. Yeah. You know, and I set, kind of set that goal in my mind. This is what I want to do. This is where I'm going to go. And uh, if, I, if I look back, honestly, if I would have known 9-11 was going to happen, yeah. I probably would have stayed enlisted, to be honest with you. I think I'd have been more effective with longevity as a as a senior enlisted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
you, you know, a long time, you know, a long time ago, I was a, uh, I think it was a SARG first class and I wanted to go warrant. And the only reason I wanted to go warrant was for one reason that was money. Yeah. Because uh, the money on the list, it's a lot better now. That's for Doc yeah. on sure. But it was, uh, it was really a, a big problem then. Uh, but it's, you know, it's, it's working now. But, but you're really right. I, I remember when I used to testify in front of Congress, uh, they'd really, uh, just throw that out there. Well, they, they, they just <laughs> yeah, just, you know, hey, you know, I was just hanging with the president. Just, you know, I, I met like four presidents. I, I know. But, <laughs> but, but, uh, but when I used to testify in front of Congress, I used to watch the chief. I had Jeff yeah. Shinseki was the chief then. And they would sort of rake them through the coals. When you had the Alyssa guy got up there, they wouldn't say much to him. Hmm. And I mean, they're very, I mean, it's nice because they didn't, yeah. they knew that we knew more about what they were talking right. about than yeah. they did. They so. did, right. <laughs> There's a different level of respect. Most people don't understand that. Yeah. Know? Even with us and the SEAL teams, in, you know, everybody thinks officer, officer, officer world. But, you know, we see ourselves as stewards, as servants, really, in some yeah. sense. You know, like beginning training all the way to the end, you eat in the back of the line. Yeah. And if the food runs out, you don't eat. Mm -hmm. And you don't, you don't complain. You just shut up and, you know, take it. So it's kind of that concept of... But people on the outside don't know that. You know? Yeah. They think, well, here's the officer. He gets this privilege. And, you know, it's... It's not like that at all. You know, I, I do, it, you said servant a minute ago. You know what the word sergeant means in servant? I mean, you know, servant leadership. It means to serve the people above you and below you. And, and that's why it's hard sometimes to be a good non-commissioned officer. You just can't forget about this stuff. Yeah, sure. We're talking with a former Navy SEAL and owner of the Heiner Group, Mr. Ed Heiner. And uh, you've been enjoying your next mission with your host, uh, Jack L. Tilly, 12th Sergeant Major of the Army. I always love saying that. And don't forget, if you're enjoying this discussion, uh, please like us and click on the subscribe button below. And, and sir, to, to uh, continue the discussion, in addition with work with youth, you also have developed an educational program with, uh, with uh, students. Uh, can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Um, well, it's, it, it is a SEALpreneurship program, and we also have many other programs, including at small modules that mm -hmm. we teach. We teach, you know, if you if schools have time for a two-week program, which was our, we initially cut our teeth at San Pasquale Academy, which is mm -hmm. a foster youth high school, incredible place. All kids live on campus and they go to school there. We had a, a long course with them. It was a wonderful course. The kids loved it. Teachers loved it. Everyone loved it. You know, that's if people don't have enough time for that. Now we have, we can do an hour Zoom. We can do two days, three days, whatever it is, we customize it. But we teach different principles, and it's always the ownership itself. It's always how to, you know, we have a victim society. People love being the victims, right? They love mm -hmm. attaching themselves to being this, this victim person. And it doesn't, it might feel good, but it won't do good. And to understand, uh, being accountable and understand that you are, you own your own destiny. I mean, how yeah, things happen, you get that, what I call a raw deal, right? The random ass whipping, <laughs> excuse my language, but no, no, no. so, you know, you, that has happened, but people that understand these principles and understand self-ownership that they, they'll just reset from that point, right? I mean, bad things happen. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Didn't move on instead of dwelling on it for life. Yeah. Yeah, you know, one of the things that uh, my wife always gets on me about, I, I look at the positive things in life and I try to think positive versus negative. And I think you're right. A lot of people say, well, it's me. I don't get a fair deal in anything. Nothing's going right. And, just, you know, I'm going to give up. <laughs> yeah. do, do you run into a lot of young youth that uh, just say, hey, you know, I just I just can't do it anymore? Uh, yeah. And, and they just want to, I don't know, they just need help. They need uh, direction, I guess it is. Well, then, a lot of the ones we work with don't have parents. So they, they don't have parents? They're yeah, the foster, foster kids. Yeah. Yeah. So, there, you can see a lot of problems there. And even even society and all the things that have been with the kids of color, we work a lot of kids with, you know, of color, black kids, Asian kids, uh, Hispanic kids. And, you know, I think society- Is there different issues in each group? 
not no, it's all the same. I think it's pretty much the same. Yeah. Um, for the most part, uh, you know, but you know, society, I think, does want to make people victims. It's like almost like a veteran. I, I'll be honest with you. I've had so many people, you know, since coming back from combat and war, like, oh, poor you, and poor. You. I'm like, no, this poor me. I went on voluntarily. You know, I yeah. I went after it. Yep, I accepted my fate, like you, like yeah. all of us did. Um, so it's not a poor me thing. And it's these kids be like, hey, it's not a poor you. The society will tell you that you're a victim. And that will hold you down. That'll create belief systems in you that you don't control your fate. And if you if that happens, someone else controls it. Mm-hmm. And they start to click. These kids start to click. They start to understand that. I'm like, yeah, you can control your own destiny. Obviously, there's bad things that happen. But the first 15 years may have been taken from you, we tell them. But the next 70 or 80, you own it. Uh, is the average age about 10 or 15 or 12? What's the average age? We work mostly with high school kids. So yeah. ninth grade, 14, 15, on to 18. Yeah. And then, you know, we work in a program with uh, Lennar Construction, the largest construction mm-hmm. in the United States. And they built some houses. I live in Florida. They built some houses. Well, don't complain. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm working with them. Okay, go ahead. Uh, but I don't work with them. <laughs> you don't um, hammer nails or anything. Oh, yeah, no. no, so we're partnering up with Homemade, uh, uh, organization helps the homeless young people yeah and we're going to do take this program and put it on top of they have a jobs training program yeah and it's in four weeks well they got well they got in the army now uh six months before you get out of the service they have what they call a certification program you can do anything you want to do like you'd be a carpenter be electrician whatever but for six months before they ever get out you can get on that program while on active duty which is a great idea i didn't cut you no that's a great idea we don't do that in the navy yeah Yeah. the seal teams is like hey see you later (laughs) as soon as you take off you're done yeah. Yeah. So it's it's kind of a straight. We, you know, it's a mission focus. They don't really think about the backside of a of a mission. Um, but these kids, you know, we're working with Homemade and Lennar, and we're going to do two week pro- course out of four weeks. We're going to do two weeks mental toughness, train mm-hmm. train the mind, and then they're going to do some construction skills, tools, understanding, and then they're going to get job interviews and get employed. Oh man, that's a great yeah. idea. I mean, you know, get them off on the right foot. Get them. You know, they want to pay them well. You know, give them a first fresh start in life and. Uh, you know, hopefully they can make something in their life and enjoy it. Yeah, you, you know, one of the things I, I you, you make me think about a lot of things, but one of the things that I always talk to people about is the circle of life. You ever heard about that? Yeah. About you stand in a circle, and, and unfortunately, some people in our life stand in a circle and they never move, and they just keep running around in that yeah. circle. But the people like yourself, and maybe me and a little part here, but uh, step into another circle in life, and, and you keep it advancing in life. You keep learning about yeah. stuff. You keep building and, and getting better and better, better, hopefully, and, and helping yeah. helping more people. That's what well, I think doing. the military teaches that, too. Well, right? you, they you know, take you out of your comfort zone real quick. Well, yeah, they, they force you <laughs> they out force of your comfort zone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When, when I, uh, I, I got to tell you why I came into service. When I came into service, I was, uh, I was a troubled youth. I, I think I told you I spent about nine months in the reform school. I wasn't, I wasn't a good kid. <laughs> but, but, uh, but I got out, I went back to school, and then there's nothing you could do to get me to step out of line. Mm, that's right. And uh, and I tried to be, uh, and not, I don't blame anything on my parents or anything. It was really me, because at that point in life, I just, I, I don't know, I guess people go through uh, what I call their dumb years, you know, oh, where yeah. they're not listening. Especially to boys, right? <laughs> well, but I think now it's boys and girls. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's sure. both of them. But I, but I was going through my dumb years, and I just did a lot of crazy things. And uh, But when I came back out of there, you could not get me to violate a rule or anything. And uh, and then I graduated. And I remember I was sitting on a beach, and somebody said, uh, I'm surprised I graduated. <laughs> but uh, I was sitting on the beach, and and, uh, and a guy says, hey, do you want to go to college? I want you to listen to this. You want to go to college? And I says, guys like me don't go to college. Mm. Low self-esteem, yeah. nothing's going right, no direction. 
And then the next guy says, uh, hey, you want to join the military? And I said, sure, okay. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> There's only this thing called Vietnam going on. <laughs> well, I didn't know about that. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't read no paper. I didn't hear anything. And he, and he says, uh, yeah, you want to join? Instead, you want to join the Army? I said, sure, okay. And then when I went down to, uh, to uh, join the service, he said, what do you want to do? I said, I don't know. What do you want me to do? You know, so they signed me airborne on a sign. So then, like I said, it just any MOS is open there. So it, it really turned out good for me. So yeah, it apparently. Was, uh, <laughs> apparently. Well, you know, I, 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 well, I, I believe in faith. I believe in God. I believe if you look at the positive things in life, uh, don't, and you said yeah. it already, don't dwell on the negative. And, and look and surround you. I'm sure you do this. You surround yourself with people that you trust and have confidence in and, and you know, they want to accomplish the mission. That's, I think, you know, I've been lucky and, like I said, a life to be around a lot of great people. So Same here. Yeah. I just, you can only get better. You ever, one last question before we take a small break here in a okay. minute. You ever, you ever wish you stayed a little longer in the Navy? No. How come? I was done. I did my ninth deployment. Uh, I've taken my vehicle, taken a couple rounds. Yeah. I did before uh, I left my last deployment and yeah. had a young son. I was like, I'm just done. And I, I and back to that officer thing. I thought I would, my skills would not be properly used. I was going to go back to Afghanistan for a year and yeah. staff. And, you know, certain people have certain skills and that's not one of my skills. That's yeah. not one of the things. And you know, uh, uh, maybe it's selfish. Maybe it is. Nah. But but yeah. I, I just knew that wasn't my fate. I wasn't going to be an admiral. I wasn't, you know, I, I had no aspiration to do that. I I did, you know, what I did. And I, I was happy to leave. Did the, uh, did the military make you grow up? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they did. Definitely from a you know young age, like I had some trouble with the law <laughs> you don't have to tell anybody <laughs> not convicted <laughs> somebody yeah. asked me one time he says do you ever get an article 15 i said no i says why i said never got caught <laughs> no. actually i have <laughs> i went to captain's mess i'll admit it is that right? i was in i went to captain's mess yeah but uh it worked out well captain understood the yeah. circumstances and uh it was enough for me to go okay knock that off yeah so. yeah well you, you know i i know you got a book coming out and i'm going to make sure we plug this in oh, real yeah, quick yeah. Guts, that's coming out. We're going to talk about it on the next break, yep. but uh, after this break anyway. So uh, what what, what uh, motivates you to write books? And I know, yeah, I, I don't know, you got two or three? I, two. I yeah, I'm two. on my third one. It's kind of funny because I'm going backwards. I'm with leadership, the first Fast and Fearless, and then Guts is kind of personal leadership, and the yeah. next one's going to go right into the, what I'm going to say is the soul. Yeah. And uh, I, I love writing. I, I didn't know it. I, I didn't have confidence in myself as a writer. Um, but until I started doing it. And I, I love it. I write articles for the paper, write magazine articles. I, yeah, I just, it's just something. I There's find something a voice. you just fell into? Yeah, I started and I just realized I found my, I can't speak the way, I wish I could, the way I can write. I know I can. No. <laughs> well, it's, it's some unique thing about writing that you get in inside your brain. It's almost like going in, you know, spelunking and you're finding little nuggets of gold that you didn't even know was in there. Yeah. yeah. So to me, it's exciting. You know, the reader can judge how good it is, but it's fun. And I think it's, uh, you know, it, it, to me, it's something I really enjoy doing. It's like you, art, right? You know, I absolutely love talking to you. I got a couple <laughs> more questions. I'm going to take a break. I keep saying I'm going to take a break. Uh, uh, who's your mentor? And and uh, how much does your spouse get involved with uh, anything that you do? I mean, my, my, my personally, I got to tell you, my spouse, my <laughs> wife is my sounding board for everything. Uh, how about you? Well, mentor. Uh, well, mentors come and go, right? You have different mentors. Sure. Different yeah, a whole bunch of mentors. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, actually, Charles Parisi, my partner, is a good, he's a good sounding board for that. And you shouldn't have said that. He'll hear that. I know. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just greasing him up a little bit. Okay, I got yeah, a little bit of money. Okay, go ahead. But uh, for the wife, let's see, 
What would she say? She'd be like, wow, I'm glad someone else has to listen to those damn stories. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, oh, no. She's exhausted. Like, because I, when I'm writing, I'll just go in the kitchen. And like, because a lot of times when I'm writing, I'll get up at like four o'clock. I already had three cups of coffee. Yeah. I'm jacked up. She gets up a couple hours later. And uh, I have to tell her the story, tell her the thought again and again and again and again. So yeah, no, she, she's a good sounding book. She, should, she does listen. I don't yeah. know how much she likes it, uh, absorbs it, but she does have to set there. You, you know, I tell my wife stories, I'll tell her a story, and, she, and I'll say, you know what this person did today? And and she'll listen to me real patiently, and, and then also she'll say, I, I thought you did that before, too. It was a bad story, I guess. So mm. she was always a person that really gave me that honest feedback, and I just said, I just love them. The other thing is, I, I think that uh, for military spouses, especially SEALs and special ops, and, yeah. you know, I'm just an old tanker, I guess, but... But the family really sacrifices a great deal uh, to allow you to do the things that you like to do in the military. And I think that we can never pay them back enough. There's no question about that. Yeah, I think that's a very important thing is that they really do have to go through a lot of, you know, and especially if you're in and out of combat, you know, it's you're waiting for the two people to come walk into your door in uniform. You know, and that's 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 kind of hard on the spouses is no to have that knock on the door. And thank God I never had to. She didn't have to see that or I didn't. I didn't ever have to do it either. I never. Yeah. Did that duty? Thank God. I I, I tell I, and last I can't keep saying last. I, I've and you probably did the same thing. I've seen uh, so much death in my life, oh, yeah. and uh, especially going by. I remember uh, just in Vietnam, just stepping over bodies and and doing stuff. And I and I thought, uh, you know, I just never want to see that again. And then when I was in fact, I was in the Pentagon for nine eleven, and and I went to funerals uh, so much that I finally went and told the chief I can't do it no more. Yeah, you know, it's just, uh, and that, I think yeah, for I me that's that. the, that's the hard part about me, and I and I wish, I, I wish there was a way, and and maybe you, and I'm sure you do it through your books, but I wish that there's a way to educate our country a lot more about what the military does. Well, um, I, the book, you now, but on a lighter subject, the, the editor did say McGraw Hill said that might be the best ending chapter of any book they've ever read. Oh my goodness. It's a big compliment. I mean, some of the yeah, book might be yeah. shit, but if you can do go right to go right to the last chapter, you know, it's kind of um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. skip everything else. Go to the last. There's no pictures, but <laughs> go, it kind of goes to. I knew where I wanted to go, and, and and when I got there, I wrote that last chapter in one setting. Oh my goodness! Just literally, I knew exactly where I wanted to go. So the next book is probably going to pick off of that last chapter and even go back a little bit further into the what I would call a soul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness! But it does. People read, and I think they can feel the fear. You know, I was very open about it. I, I you know, everybody's like, "Oh, you're just a Navy SEAL." I'm like, well, I was scared too. You know, I've been scared. People have been. You know, you, there's moments you've been so scared you just didn't know if you could function, right? Yeah. Then, uh, and uh, then you did. And, uh, I used to I used to say God just get me out of here. I, I think that everybody gets closer to God. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you said uh, promises. <laughs> well, you know, uh, promise uh, well, I, I, I and, and I've said that a bunch. Yeah. I've said it a bunch. Of, God, if you just get me out of here, I'll never do this. Again, you know, whatever it was, and I I think every service member says this thing, yeah. thing. So yeah, mm -hmm. that's uh, unbelievable. Well, get you to appreciate life. It does. I, I, I think there's no question about that. Yeah. I think again. I think I wish this country could. I don't want them to see a war. There's no question. No. I want to see it because it's a it's a terrible thing and it stays with you for the rest of your life. But I wish they could somehow figure out how to see the kind of things that go on and see the kind of things that our service members do I, and what I, they go through. And, and, and uh, I do. It's yeah. it's just uh, if they, if they did, they wouldn't see the kind of things we see now in our country. I think they would. You know, they'd be more gratitude. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back, and uh, you've been enjoying your next mission. Thank you.
You're watching Your Next Mission, proudly presented by the Cavalry Agency. They help brands dominate no matter their size. Ideas, strategy, action. This is Cavalry. Learn more at Cavalry.com. Navy Federal Credit Union, the most trusted credit union owned by members of the military community, serving all branches of the armed forces and their families. Their members are the mission. Learn more at NavyFederal.org. Purdue Global, providing affordable online education for hardworking adults. Learn more about a personalized, innovative, and world-class education at PurdueGlobal.edu. Veterans United Home Loans, the number one VA lender for five straight years. If you're buying, they're funding your dreams. Learn more at VeteransUnited.com. Now back to your host, the 12th Sergeant Major of the Army, Jack L. Tilly. Welcome back. I'm Jack L. Tilly, 12th Sergeant Major of the Army, and we're blessed to be here today with Ed Heiner, U.S. Navy SEAL, retired, and owner of the Heiner Group. Uh, and I want all you listeners to reach out to me directly. Tell us about uh, your transition out of the military. Tell us what you'd like us to, to cover on this show. You know, it's not about uh, me. It's not about anybody. It's about how do we help our our veterans and families. Uh, you can call me or, or text me at 844-424-1134 and I'll reach out to you. I'll actually text you back or, or call you back. Or you can send me an email at smatilly at yournextmission.org. Okay, let's pick it up where we left off. And uh, sir, we're, we're really heading into a final segment with you today and I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. I just have a a couple more questions, unless you have. I, I noticed you've been pumping your arms up a little bit. I've been, I've been <laughs> right, thanks away. for asking. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just, yeah, envy of the army. I don't know. Well, no, you, know, yeah. you know, one thing I didn't, uh, one thing I didn't bring up is that Navy Army football game, and you know why? Is because the army lost, and it's really sort of broke my heart. So I'm not gonna. I think it was the first thing I said to you this morning when I saw you. No, 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 no I don't want to talk about. It. <laughs> hey, uh, you, you, we talked about it before, but you. Your book, Guts, it's about leadership and it's released here. It really dives into the, into the foundation principles of, of wellness overall. So performance, success and happiness. Uh, what was your motivation for writing this book? Well, a lot of it, it was a long story. I'm, I'm with McGraw. I want to make sure everybody sees the book, Guts. You might want to hold it. Great. Great. It's <laughs> tremendous stress, right. which is we a very applicable now. Right? Well, it's funny because I had finished the book, submitted it to the publisher for <laughs> editing. And well, as I, uh, the COVID hit, yeah, and I ended up three months into COVID, pull it back and put some COVID things in them because it's funny because the book just unrolled when you start talking about fear and what it does to people. It just you just watch our society just it just unfold in front of us and people fell right into the traps. Yeah. So really, my motivation to start writing, I was going to write another title, for, but I switched. McGraw Hill, thank God, he finally agreed to me yeah. to do it. But uh, um, it was kind of my own kind. Journey, if you would, four or five years ago, um, I was having a pretty hard time in my, you know, I was having, I couldn't sleep. I was having nightmares. I was having, I was literally hearing voices. Was, at one point. was it because yeah, post-traumatic stress? I, yeah, I, I, yeah. Well, I assume. <laughs> you, have you ever? I, I didn't mean to cut you off. No. Have you had a, ever got evaluated or anything? Yeah, yeah, okay. I, I did. But I, the counseling and all that kind of stuff. No, I, I, it's not really for me. But uh, I started having these issues and it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And then, you know, you hit the bottle and do all kinds of stupid yeah. stuff. And, yeah. and uh, I knew once my wife knew, and I knew like, once I heard voices I was, at night, I was getting paranoid that, okay, 
something's weird here. So I actually, this is kind of, I, I went back to doing what I've always done. I said, okay, what, when I was in the SEAL teams, I was happy, I was you know, thriving, even though it's stressful, because most people can't even believe that you have fun and enjoy something, mm -hmm. even though it could end your life uh, you know, soon. So I just dissected what I'd done and, and all the stuff I'd learned, because one of the last jobs I did before I retired was the training officer, basic and advanced. So mm -hmm. I was there to really look at what we do and dissect it and see what's important, what's not important, because our training pipeline was two and a half years before our first deployment. It's wow. it's long, It's you know people get injuries. Are, are you trained to like three different skills? Uh, I, I, I can't remember what that, I used to, the guys used to tell me like uh, weapons, communications or whatever. Well, uh, we, we're kind of master, uh, jack of all trades, master okay. none, right? So, yeah. you know, everyone trains everything. And yeah. then you may, when you're in a platoon, you might be a comms guy, you might be a sniper, you might be an explosive breacher. And every deployment cycle, you learn a new skill. So by the time you're a senior enlisted, mm -hmm. like a chief, you mm -hmm. know, you're a sniper, you're a comms guy, you're, the, you're, you're mm -hmm. every skill you pretty much had. Mm -hmm. So we, I always had a hard, hard time just doing you know, one. One's task. enough, right? <laughs> but our, yeah, we, we, you know, small units, we have to have a lot of you know, transferable skills across each, each, each thing. Yeah. Um, so I went back and dissected what we had done and what had made me happy. I mean, just simple things about being outside or fitness or diet, how you eat, how you sleep, take, mm -hmm. take, you know, be deliberate about sleeping. Yeah. It sounds crazy until you can't sleep. No, it's, it's not crazy. It's, it, I, I was in a deployed to Bosnia and we uh, went in there. We, after they assigned a date and peace agreement, we rolled in there. And, and I mean, for about two weeks, uh, people working, you know, 14 hours a day or whatever. Yeah. And finally, I went to the guys working with saying, look, you got to put these guys, we got to go down. We got to start rotating, got put them on a sleep plan because they'll start doing all sorts of crazy stuff and hurting themselves. And that's yep. what we did. We put them on sleep. He was already going to do it. But uh, yeah, you got to have a, got to have a scheduled sleep plan. Man. But that was our number one issue in the SEAL teams. When I was the training and readiness, you know, readiness is everything else, right? Yeah. <laughs> Anything that we didn't cover in this training and ready training, you create training readiness. And we, the number one thing our docs noticed was it was sleep. It wasn't yeah. PTS and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Necessarily, guys were adjusting well. It's these guys would go psychotic when they couldn't sleep for three or four days. So mm -hmm. I, every deployment, I would come off, I'd come back because I had a big bottle of Ambien set inside my bed. You know, then it wasn't a narcotic. Nobody cared. Yeah, just, yeah. Here's a bottle. So when you come off a mission or whatever, you'd eat a bunch of them, mm -hmm. sleep for four hours, and come back. So, so I went back to all those things, not the pills, but, yeah, yeah. You know, but just stay <laughs> oh, deliberate about sleeping yeah. and how you treat yourself, how you self-talk. You know how you surround yourself with who you surround yourself mm -hmm. with, yeah, and uh, I, so far the books are resonating really well. I've mean, had a lot of people respond. Uh, you know, save my life. You did this. You done like things. So. How important is the little things? Uh, I used to tell people when I was on active day, it's the basic fundamentals that keep you alive in life. You know, basic rifle yeah. marksmanship, first day, just the basic stuff. Did you ever focus a lot on basic fundamentals? It's all basic yeah. <laughs> because you 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 can you never was a Chinese proverb. You never trip over a mountain, but you'll stumble over a molehill. <laughs> yeah. And it's a little thing that gets you in combat. It gets you killed. Absolutely, jumping, diving, any of those things. Attention to detail uh, is is critical. Because that one little piece, like. Mm, yeah. yeah, that's what gets you. And uh, yeah, we cover a lot of that in the book, how to focus, how to train your focus. Yeah, Because, you know, with the kids in the modern world, you got phones and everything stealing your focus constantly. Mm -hmm. 
And how do you regain that focus so you can actually do something of value? Yeah, I used to do a lot of battle drills. Uh, do you do battle drills? I'm sure everybody, you know, all the services do a battle drill. Everybody functions the same way, does the same thing every time. So you know what the guy on your right or left are doing. You do a lot of oh, that yeah. stuff, yeah. Oh, meet, we meet at action drills. We yeah. meet all the you know, thousands and thousands. Remember, I'm over tanker. That's, That's true. Back. That's true. But you got big tank. <laughs> we got big stuff. I do have a claim of fame. I did call him, what do you call it, the heat round? Yeah. I point blank into a building one time. Oh, is that right? Yep. Bunch yeah. of bunch of bunch, bunch of bad guys and like trying to breach that door was impossible and uh, tank did. Yeah, <laughs> I, I got to tell you a funny story. I was this is Vietnam and we was uh, down in Saigon actually fighting in Saigon. I was on a tank and I was a a tank driver and uh, they had a sniper up there that was uh, shooting at people and they called for a couple of tanks. So we're a cab unit. So we're rolling down through this narrow street in Saigon, just big enough to get that, uh, well, it was a little bit wider for the tank, but but just hardly get through there. So it opened up and then there were some cars there. Uh, you, in fact, uh, Americans' cars. Hmm. And I stopped and the tank commander says, hey, look, uh, Tilly, what are you doing? I said, well, there, there's a freaking car. I said, you don't want me to run over it? I told no, no, that's what he said. He said, don't stop, dumbass, move out. And I ran over this car and then people started running out to get them. So yeah, yeah, I just, uh, you don't mess with a tank or, <laughs> or a sniper. Well, well, they are a sniper. The other thing is, inside that tank, they had uh, we had can you talk about a heat round. We had a canister round, and that canister round had twelve hundred and fifty-five uh, like ball. No, not flechettes. That's in a beehive, but they had the like ball bearings. Uh, and a little sort of flat inside. There's twelve, and when it comes out, it just spreads out, wipes everything out. We fired those all the time. We got Ooh. caught with some. It, it, I, I, I don't want to tell you on yeah. what we're talking here, but uh, it did some quite damage there yeah. to a lot of people. <laughs> so that's for sure. But, you know, that's... Uh, Better to, to give than receive. <laughs> <laughs> well, the one, th the one thing about it, again, I, I keep going back to this. I wish people would um, could understand more about what we do on a daily basis. You know, not just, you know, we're always going to have little rivalries with the Navy and the Army and our stuff, but, but I guarantee you, we're all together as a oh, team. Yeah. Uh, we don't function by ourselves. We work and no. fight together, and and uh, nobody's more important than the other. Now, again, when it comes to Army-Navy football game, that's a little bit different. <laughs> but uh, but but it's it's about uh, it's about all the stuff you're talking about. I'm sure in the guts, yeah. it's about teamwork. Yep. It's about leadership. It's about development, leading by example, basic fundamental stuff. So it's it's important sometimes to refresh your memory about that stuff. Yeah. But but the one you. thing I think is is really important to us about relationships. Mm -hmm. It's about talking to people and getting the trust and confidence in people. So I, uh, I can't wait to read your book. So hopefully, uh, well, never mind. It's good. <laughs> I heard it now. It's, yeah. I'm, I'm sure it is. Good. If it's not good, don't let me know. <laughs> I tell that people all the time. Sir, what three things did you take away uh, from the Navy, a Navy mm -hmm. SEAL? What, what's the three things that you probably really want to share with the audience that uh, you think are important for the audience? And no, I know we talked about a lot of stuff and all that's important, but yeah. is there three things you really think are you know, more important than anything else? One, I think what people can, and I think employers understand this too when they get a person coming from the military, is team, what, what I call team ability. You get guys from all walks of life. Like I know there was the race car, these things are going on in society now, not in the military. You're all equally worthless, right? That's what that's the expression. But you get people from all walks of life and you develop, I call team ability. Can you listen, take orders and participate, sacrifice for someone else? Yeah. And that becomes a way of life. And it's really strange when you get outside and it's not there. No. A bunch of individuals moving separately have their own agendas. And you're like, wow, this is 
it's a strange world. Yeah. Um, so team ability, I think, is you get a veteran that's been in for a while or understands that and did well. They're going to understand how to get on the team because it's a lot. Of, it's hard for people sometimes to drop their own opinion. Yeah. Like when you get in a room and you got to come up with a plan and you get a plan. The regular world doesn't always adjust to that. They bitch and moan, they complain, and they you know undermine each other and stuff. In military, most people that understand after you've been in for a while is like, hmm, okay, that's the plan. That's it. Yeah. The talking's over. It's doing time. Well, you give your you give your, your opinion. opinion about it. That's right. And once the opinion, once the decision's made, you got to do it. Once you the decision's over. over. That's but right. The, everybody everybody joins in until it's time. Decision's made. You get on with it. Yeah. Um, that and it sounds strange, but I would say. I, when I first joined, it wasn't necessarily patriotism. I didn't come from a, my dad was kind of like a hippie in the 60s. He, he was, you know, smoking weed and, and, and kicking it. Well, let's not go there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, no, but, but, no, but I understand. I came no, from that era. Yeah. yeah so it, it was no over, overwhelming sense of patriotism in my yeah, family or anything. Yeah. But I think coming in, being in the military, being in service, and I mean patriotism, not necessarily like, you know, I get in my truck and I'm, you know, waving my flag and, and drinking Budweiser, mm -hmm. but more of a uh, gratitude. Yeah. A sense of gratitude. I've been on every continent except for Antarctica and they don't carry suicide bombs there. But <laughs> so, so I figure it, it, what it does teach you is just be how you shift that mindset. Into, and then we talked to the kids about this is how do you shift this gratitude? Because you see what we have when you, you get to compare it to Africa or Middle East or, you know, Asia or something. You're like, wow. Even the most unfortunate in America is more fortunate than most people in other yeah, countries. Yeah. And I think Americans have forgotten that. They've forgotten just to give gratitude for what you do have, not worry about what you don't have. Yeah. In that sense, that's what I consider patriotism, is that yeah, I respect what I do have. Um, and then probably the last one, it's really hard. I was, you know, I was thinking that. It's probably, it's, I would call it agape love. There's a sense of brotherhood mm -hmm. that, and people go, wow, love, that's kind of a weird, but it, it, it was, I've felt it a few times where I was in combat mainly, that it was just this really sense of connectedness with the people I was around. Mm -hmm. It's very, you know, very emotional times. I tell people, is probably the most spiritual moments I've ever had was in the worst moments. Yeah. Because you could just, you just felt a deep sense, even people that you probably didn't like, personally, you know, mm -hmm. like in, yeah. engaging, like you, you didn't go to dinner with them, mm -hmm. but you died for them. Mm -hmm. And it was a sense of brotherhood, you know, just uh, that if, if most, if other people in the world understood that there wouldn't be, a, wouldn't be a war. Ironically, oh, no. it wouldn't be those moments of learning yeah. because you wouldn't have them because yeah. people feel more connected in their life. Yeah. And uh, that I, I, it, it's unfortunate that a lot of people don't get the sense and feel that. You know, when I got out of the service, uh, just like you and I, and uh, and I stayed a long time, a lot longer. Than, yeah, you did. A lot longer than you. Wait a minute. But, uh, <laughs> but when I got out, I thought it was it would always be the same. Uh, just what you talk about, that you know, the people next to me, the you know, the connection that you have with the people that went in the military. Yeah. I thought, geez, it's got to be just about the same. And and I remember when I moved into, I brought built a house, at a nice house. I moved in and I started walking around, shaking hands. Hey guys, how you doing? Glad to meet you. My name is Jack Dilley. And after <laughs> about a day, my wife said, you know something, you're not fitting in. <laughs> you're already not <laughs> you're already a weirdo yeah. but she said people don't do that what they do is they go home and close the door oh man that's all and, and yep. they don't talk to you and they don't want to connect with you in fact uh, I'll talk about in a minute one of the things that really bothers me sometimes I'll walk by somebody and say hey good morning good afternoon and they'll look at the ground and they won't look at you morning and they keep going and, and I wish we could mm. figure out a way to uh, we're alone to, together uh, yeah and it's <laughs> yeah it's just it's it's a shame huh. and uh 
God, I've thought about it. In fact, I really, quite frankly, I've, I've tried to start block parties and do all sorts of stuff to pull people. And, and the, let me see, the probably the three or four houses up and, and uh, three houses on the left and the people on the left. I, I actually bought them gifts, like, uh, you know. Wow, for, they're like, no, no. What's yeah. this guy want? <laughs> Tex, yeah, Texas Roadhouse. I bought them coupons. Oh, yeah. Well, because I want, them to, I want them to be friendly, and I want yeah. to be friendly with them. And I don't want anything from them. Right. But it's, 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 just, it's about what you've talked about. I'm sure what's in your book, too. It's about, uh, it's about relationship. It's about yeah. team building. It's about, you know, living in a great community and living with a lot of people. And I just, I, I miss that. I'll miss that every day until I die. That is true. You know, the best one of my best experiences. I never lived because seals. You know, we my neighbors never even knew I was a seal. Just to, kind of that world you yeah, live yeah. in. You don't want. What you don't want yeah, yeah. You're in the shadows. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You kind of approach life that way. But I lived. I was the operations officer for NSW and the Naval Special Warfare in the Pacific. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and I was in Guam, and I lived on base. I'd never lived on base before. And I thought, at first, I was extremely like, nah, I don't want to. But did you like it? Oh, we loved it. <laughs> 18 months. Yeah, well, yeah. my wife loved it. I worked because that was a seven-day-a-week job. Yeah, yeah. Right? That was boom, boom, boom. So my wife and I, we really did love it. Yeah. It was such a good time. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I had a guy when I was living in Fort Myer for a while, and and I went out to a briefing out at Fort Belvoir one time, and obviously, you know, Space and Missile Defense Sergeant Major, so, I, you know. But when I got to be the Sergeant Major of the Army, the guy that was my neighbor was a, a special operator. And he says, and he come to my office and says, hey, Sergeant Major, will you come out and visit? I said, why don't you tell me when you was there? I said, I couldn't, you know? And I went out and he's doing all sorts of stuff. It was really a sort of neat, uh, but uh, I have so much respect for guys like you that really, you know, I'm a just I'm just an old soldier that loves it. But the kind of things that you guys do, the SEALs and the special operators, really, uh, I, I was gonna tell you, I'm, I'm gonna tell you now, I don't wanna forget this. I had two guys that were uh, Delta guys and, uh, and I won't mention their name because I'm sure they're out of the program. They're retired now. But uh, I was at an academy. It was Sergeant Major Academy with them. They never let you take their picture. Right. And, yeah. uh, and so so we graduated. And one of the guys, in fact, his first name was Jack, too. He says, uh, I said, well, Jack, uh, you know, hope I'll see you around. He said, well, if you ever see me, don't talk to me. Okay. <laughs> and, and I looked at him. I said, look. I, you know, I said something like real smart to him. I don't, I don't care. I don't want to talk to you anyway. He said, no, no, let me explain. Uh, and uh, and I, and he told me he says I could be working. I said I got you. I understand. I appreciate you telling me. That. So when I'm in uh, in Korea during the Olympics, I'm stationed in Korea and I'm down there looking at stuff mm. and I see him and I don't say anything to him. And a few minutes later, he moved up next to me and said, "Hey, are you working?" He said, yeah. I said, "Okay." <laughs> it's really sort of funny. So. I can going to move away to him. He might be a sniper on him. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, don't get in there. <laughs> well, you know, I, I had one, one last story before I get out of here. The uh, I, I was at uh, Normandy one time when the president was there. And uh, and I had a unit. I was in 1st Armored Division. I had a bunch of soldiers down there marching and doing stuff. And I'm standing there watching the, the president talking. This guy comes up and taps him on the shoulder. He said, would you move? And I, I said, you know, I'm in the division. So I'm like, hey, what? I'm not going to move. He says, you're in the sight of a sniper. I'm watching. I said, not a problem. Let me I'm shift you. I got out of the way. Yeah. So, you know, it's funny. I was going to make a Normandy joke. Oh, like, was was that about back in the invasion when you were there? <laughs> well, I was going to make a, a, an age joke there. Oh, wait a minute. That's, all right. I, I think it's time to cut this off. No, and you no. said 12th Sergeant Major of the Army. Yeah. That, means ele- that means you're a new guy to 11 other people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they can call you, hey, new guy. <laughs> I always tell the guys, the, old, the new guys are getting out now. I tell them I got to carry my bags. You know, you guys are, 
In fact, uh, I talked to the 16th Sergeant Major. There's only been 16 here in That's history. A, I, I, never, I didn't know that until I talked to you. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's usually a four-year tour, uh, and uh, it's you know the Sergeant Major Army testifies in Congress. But I traveled. I think I may have told you this. I traveled about 800,000 miles when I was there. But we really get out, talk to soldiers, family members, see what's going on, pick that information back, and, and you know try to do what we can to change. But but uh, during my tenure, we. Uh, Worked on medical care. Uh, we got pay raises. I uh, got great pay raises. Good. Thank you. That's right. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell people all the time I wasn't working on your PS trying to fix mine. That's right. hey, <laughs> but you get it. You get it too. Huh? I, I can't tell you how, how much fun it is uh, talking. And the people that are listening today, I, I hope you uh, get this book, Guts. Uh, here's a guy that, that risked his life in protection of our country. Don't forget that. It's important for us to... Uh, teach each other about life, teach each other about leadership and development and all that stuff. And, you know, you can read a book and understand it, but uh, here's a guy that, uh, you know, lives by that creed. So we ought to, you ought to get the book and read it. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. And I appreciate it. And, and so, sir, any, any final thoughts, anything you want to share with the audience? I know we, we talked, I probably took you off kilter here a little bit. Sorry, no, any, anything that you want to share that maybe we didn't cover? No, you know, I, no, I think just, uh, just more people get out there and do something for someone else. Others focus is what I would call it. Yeah. Is one, it's a, a path to happiness. It's also what the world needs. You know, we have enough self-serving. Look at, no matter what political party your people affiliate with, mm -hmm. um, it's a lot of self-serving. And it's, uh, I think this country is better than that. And uh, I think just if people do look and serve other people, serve something higher than themselves, and they'll get the satisfaction from it. So, yeah, you know, we live in a great country. We do. And and I think, uh, and you've said it a bunch of times today, I think some people, it's it's all about me. It's, you know, one of the, I, you know, I got a great, a lot of great advice, I think, uh, at probably every level I ever worked at. But one of the things I got when I got to Sergeant Major Army, I had a friend of mine call me, he says, uh, hey, look, he said, he said, uh, can I tell you something? Give you some recommendations. I said, sure. You know, a good friend. And he says, uh, the things that made you successful now, don't change them because that's why people hired you for this job. I said, well, that makes a lot of sense. He said, the other thing is, he said, 50% of the people won't like you. Yeah. You got to come to that realization. <laughs> that's right. Yes, 50% right. of the people will like you. So you can never make a good decision. So when you make a decision, you make what's best for the United States Army, what's best for the Navy. Yeah. It's not about you. It's about what's right for your service. And that's... Uh, and the higher you go, the harder that is. It, the harder it is. You have to weed through a lot of different things. Well, it's... it's Yeah, because you don't want to... You see things that sort of eat at you a little bit. And, uh, and you say, geez, that doesn't sound fair. But but look at look at the answers of the questions first before yeah. you ever make a decision. And, and be careful about what you say. I, I was in a meeting one time and a guy says, uh, hey, Sergeant Major, what do you think about that? And I think... Mm. And I said, that's a... That's a, I said, that's a dumbass decision. And the guy says, we'll take that $10 million and move it over there. I Whoa, said, oh, wait, wait, yeah, wait, wait. Well, that's what I want him to do. So anyway, well, I... I, uh, I well, good I, ideas and stuff in the meetings also turn into projects. <laughs> that was one thing when I was in charge. I think, listen, we're going before the admiral, whoever would come in. Like, yeah. If you come up with a genius idea in this room that I didn't know about, it's yeah. a project. Knock <laughs> it off. Yeah, no, I got I got a lot of it. Well, thanks to Ed Henry. I, I feel bad even calling him Ed. Uh, yeah, thanks to the commander. He's a, what a great guy. And, and I can't uh, say enough about his book or books. Anything, anything he writes, uh, you ought to read because... Uh, here's a guy that uh, that has given a lot for our country, 
and still gives a lot for our youth in our country. So, uh, it, you know, read, you know, you know, follow him, do whatever you can to help him because uh, he's a great, great, great Navy SEAL and great person, that's for sure. I'm Jack El Tolley, 12th Sergeant Major of the Army. Yeah, and you've been enjoying uh, your next mission. If you haven't been enjoying you must be dead because I certainly <laughs> have been enjoying this. And thank you for being part of your next mission today. Uh, please visit our website at yournextmission.org or and leave me a review, uh, just what the commander said. Leave me a good review. If you got a bad one, don't show me. But leave <laughs> Keep, me. Scrolling. <laughs> Keep scrolling. Keep going somewhere else. And you can also visit our partners on, uh, and they can provide you with so many services that will assist you in your transition from the military. And also visit our corporate partners and see all the jobs that are available for you. You know, it's, it's not just about talking. It's about uh, trying to find employment uh, for you. Please know we want to insist you in any way we can. We want to make sure that we help our veterans and families in any way we can. And, and please follow me on all my personal social media channels. I never thought I'd ever say this. <laughs> Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn. And, and if you enjoyed our discussion, uh, uh, please, with Ed Hyder, please uh, click on like us and click on the subscribe button below. Uh, you know, it's it's important for us to to pull together as a family and, and sort of stay together. So uh, don't forget, uh, we wanna hear from you. Uh, please leave me a message or send me a text at 844-424-1134. Send me an email at smatilly at yourdexmission.org. Thanks again to Ed Heiner for being on with us today. It was uh, great having you on the show today. I appreciate that. Thank you. And, uh, and I wanna leave you with uh, three things to remember. I, I, last, uh, Last year, I talked a lot about uh, thoughts and ideas, but this th this year, I want to leave with three things. Uh, we're uh, dedicated in season two to your next mission to all of those veterans and, and family members who struggle with uh, mental illness, uh, which so often has led to someone taking their life. In fact, uh, here about four weeks ago, I had a a good friend of mine that uh, really, quite frankly, walked out of his house, walked down to uh, the woods and and committed suicide, uh, please reach out to someone you haven't spoke to in a long time and just uh, check on them. I always call it a buddy check and, and see how they're doing, uh, you know, because we're all family. I'm never gonna give any money, but uh, <laughs> we're all family. The second, I'd like all veterans to be proud of who you are. I mean, you're great role models for this country and you do a lot of wonderful things. So I'm asking you, and I tried to get the commander to do it, but uh, I'm asking you to wear your hat uh, every Friday. Uh, wear your hat. Show your colors. Show people who you are. And and if you have a if you take a if you wear your hat on a Friday now, uh, take a picture and send it to me or show it to me on social media. I'll put it back here on the screen. Let everybody see it. Uh, you know it's important for us to you know to to be the bridge in this country to help our uh, fellow Americans out. I want to encourage everyone who is uh, with us today to reach out to your neighbor. You know, offer a smile or a helping hand. Uh, together, let's try to bridge that divide that uh, really that has affected all of us here lately. Uh, you know, we live in a great country. We have a lot of great people that uh, that really have did so much for us. And so let's uh, let's smile, be happy, and and try to make it a better place each and every day. And and again, thanks for being with us today. Thanks to your next mission, and thanks to. Cloudcast Media, and of course, our three presenting sponsors, our four presenting sponsors, Navy Federal Credit Union, Purdue University Global, uh, Veterans United Home Loans, and Navy Federal Credit Union. We appreciate all you do for our military. Uh, see you on the high ground. Hooah!
You've been listening to Your Next Mission, brought to you by the American Freedom Foundation. Learn more by visiting yournextmission.org.